Scripture reading this morning will be read from Psalms 142, verses 3 and 4. Psalms 142, verses 3 and 4. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path and the way in which I walk. They have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. Good morning and welcome. We are very grateful for your presence today. I am thankful for the opportunity to be with you today. I appreciate Jared filling in in my absence last week. I had the opportunity, Nancy and I had the opportunity to be in Atlanta last week. We were a part of a progressive meeting where I had the opportunity to speak in five different congregations over the course of five days. And one of the things that stood out to me is the fact that we are very blessed here at Olive Branch. We have a great eldership, we have great deacons, great members, and we have a tremendous youth group. And we have a lot of great members, and for that, I'm very, very grateful. I am thankful for the church here and the support that is given to me by each of you. We're going to be looking today at Psalm 142. I do want to take this opportunity to express appreciation to those of you who may be visiting. We encourage you to come back to be with us at every opportunity that you have. We want you to know that we love to have visitors and we want you to consider the work here. If you're looking for a church home, we would be more than happy to talk to you. I know the elders would be happy to sit down to answer any questions you may have about the work that is ongoing here at Olive Branch. We're going to be looking at Psalm 142. There are seven verses in Psalm 142, and we're going to be looking at these verses as we think about the theme, when no one seems to care. I want to begin by asking the question, do you ever feel like no one seems to care about what you are experiencing in life? If your answer is yes, Take heart, you're not alone. Do you ever feel like no one seems to care about you personally? If again, your answer is yes, take heart, you're not alone. But I would remind you that there is someone who cares and that someone is the Lord. Peter said, casting all our care upon him for he cares for you. I want us to look at Psalm 142 because in Psalm 142 we have an account of King David. And David, according to scholars, was on the run. And we know in looking at the Old Testament that Saul, King Saul, was after him and literally hunted him, tried to hunt him down. And so in Psalm 142, David expresses the idea that no one seems to care for him. And so the first thing I want us to do <clears throat> is note how David proclaims his difficulties. We want to note his circumstances. And as we look at his circumstances, the first thing I want to do is call your attention to his persecutors. And David, of course, on the run, probably on the run from King Saul. And so he had a number of people that were after him. 
And so listen to what the psalmist said beginning in verse one. He said, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. Now I would, I would begin by pointing out that David does the right thing. And that is he's in distress, he's facing difficulties, he's concerned about his situation, his plight in life, he is probably hiding out in a cave. And so what does he do? He turns to the Lord. And the Bible says he declares before the Lord all of his troubles. Now as we think about his persecutors, those who were after him, then in verse 6, he requests of God deliverance. He says, deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. A couple of things here. First of all, I would submit unto you that his persecutors were literally pounding him. Have you ever felt like in life you're just getting pounded or hammered? There are times in life when it seems like everything we do, everywhere we turn, is a dead end or is a problem. Well, look at verse 3. In verse 3, David said, When my spirit was overwhelmed or fainted within me. So David here, of course, literally overwhelmed by the problems, the adversary, the one that he is facing. If you look at Psalm 143, David again expresses similar sentiments Listen to him in Psalm 143, 3. He said, For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have been long dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. That's really the picture that you have in Psalm 142 as well. David is overwhelmed. Sometimes life can flood us with difficulties. And there are times in life when literally we feel overwhelmed by what we're facing. And I think that that really is what David felt. He was being, he was being persecuted. And they were, well, they were pounding him. They were after him. And sometimes we, we face situations like that. And in situations like that, it's very difficult for us to have a proper perspective in life. And having said that, I want you to note, if you would, David's perspective. Now, in light of what David is undergoing, when we think about the difficulties that he's facing, sometimes the difficulties and the circumstances of life can literally cloud our judgment. It can affect our perception about the way life really is. And so listen to what David says in verse four. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. He said, refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I think what David is saying here is basically he feels all alone. He feels isolated. And there is a picture of isolation or loneliness painted by the psalmist back in Psalm 102. And on that occasion, the psalmist said, I am like a sparrow on a housetop, all alone. 
There are times in life when we feel as if it's us against the world. And I think to some extent, maybe that's how David felt. It was, it was him battling Saul and his great army, his great kingdom, if you please. Now, David says, look on my right hand. There's no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. Apparently, there, there were no allies standing by David at this particular point in time in his life. And so he makes, he makes the statement, no one cares for my soul. Now I want to ask you this question. David became the greatest king over the United Kingdom. And of course David was the eventual successor to the throne when Saul was removed. God is the one who anointed him to be the successor to Saul. But I want to ask this question. Do you really think no one cared about David? I mean, honestly, do you really think no one cared about David at this point in time in his life? I think that was a faulty perception. I think sometimes we conclude that no one cares. And it may be the case that when we look around like David, we don't feel like we have any allies. We don't have anybody standing with us and behind us and for us. And so our conclusion is nobody really cares. But that's not necessarily the case. In the book of Matthew in chapter 26, you remember when Jesus was facing the cross? And as Jesus neared the cross, one of his disciples betrayed him, that being Judas Iscariot. But he had 11 other men that were faithful to his cause. And yet, Matthew tells us that at a certain point in time, prior to Jesus being crucified, all of his disciples forsook him and fled. Did that mean they didn't care about him? Did that mean that they, that they had no concern over his plight? I don't think that was it at all. I think maybe they were afraid. Who knows what... what, what the cause was, but the bottom line is they didn't stand when they should have stood. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, when Paul writes to Timothy, and Paul is writing his last inspired letter to Timothy, his own son in the faith, and he said, at my first defense, no man stood with me, but all forsook me. He said, I pray God that it won't be laid to their charge. But listen to what he says. The Lord stood with me, and strengthened me. And so here was Paul in a similar situation and Paul, for all intents and purposes, felt all alone, isolated. Well, I think that's how David felt on this occasion. Now there's a second thing I want you to see as we look at Psalm 142. We talk about David as he proclaims his difficulties, his circumstances, but now I want you to note with me, if you would, his plea for deliverance. And that is his cry. David cries out to Jehovah God for help. David looks to the right person to help him. Look again at verse 1. He said, I cry out to the Lord with my voice, with my voice to the Lord. I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. Now, when you face troubles and trials and difficulties in this life, to whom do you turn? Sometimes we turn to family members. Sometimes we turn to friends. Sometimes we turn to, to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And of course, Paul would say, 
Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. We are to rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. So we have an obligation as members of the body of Christ to be there for one another. But what happens when people let us down? What happens when we feel all alone and isolated? Well, if you look at Psalm 142, David, in a sense, is all alone. He's in a cave. But I want to submit to you that there is no cave too deep or too dark that you and I can't make contact with God. God will be there for us, and God was there for David. And so to whom does David turn? David turns to the Lord. And I like what he says. I pour out my, my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. I would recommend that when we face the difficulties and the trials and the tribulations of life, we go before the throne of God and we literally lay it all before him. We lay bare our soul. That's what David did. And I think that the beauty of it is we can lay bare our troubles before God and we can do so with the comfort and encouragement that God cares. Listen again to what Peter said, casting all your care on him for he cares for you in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Think about what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 4. He said, let us therefore draw boldly unto the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let me give you an example. I mentioned just a moment ago the fact that Jesus was forsaken by his, his disciples, those who were followers of him. When Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he took Peter, James, and John with him. But the Bible tells us that he prayed to God, didn't he? Now the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, who in the days of his flesh offered up prayer, supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and he was heard in that he feared. What did Jesus do when he faced Calvary? He prayed to God the Father. So what should we do? We ought to pray. We ought to turn to the Lord. We ought to remember that God is for us. That's what the psalmist said in Psalm 56, 9. This I know, God is for me. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. It's easy to give way, to buckle under the trials, the tribulations, the temptations of life. And what Jesus is saying, in those times, what do you need to do? You need to pray. Well, David did the right thing. But now, in light of that, note what he says. First of all, I would submit that he finds refuge in the Lord. Now, back in verse 4, he said, refuge has failed me. But now look at verse 5. He said, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Back in Psalm 57, 1, David in the long ago said, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. My soul trusts in you. And then he said, In the shadow of your wings will I make my refuge. Now listen to him. Until these calamities are past. Aren't you thankful that when the trials and the storms of life are kicking up, that you and I can find a haven of refuge in the Lord? The psalmist said he was going to find refuge in the Lord until these calamities are past. This past weekend, in the Mid-South and in other areas, 
a lot of tornadoes blew through. And I had a text from a friend of mine who lives just north of Atlanta, and he said on Friday evening, he along with his family members were in the basement dodging storms. Well, what were they doing? They were down in that basement until the storms had passed. What, what, what's, what's David saying in Psalm 57? Well, David is saying, I'm going to find refuge under the wings of God until these calamities are passed. So what we have to do. We have to find refuge in the Lord. We may not be able to find refuge in our friends and our family members and, and other people. But I can assure you one thing. We can find refuge in the Lord. So his refuge in the Lord, and then note if you would, his resolve in the Lord. Sometimes I think when we take a beating in life and when we face difficult circumstances in life, it causes us to reflect. And sometimes it, it enables us to pause, to take a deep breath, and to realize where we are and what we need to do. And I think there are a couple of things that, that David learned to do. First of all, he had to learn to trust in the Lord as a refuge. And, and certainly he did find refuge in the Lord. But note, if you would, his resolve. First and foremost, he had to trust in the provisions of the Lord. Listen to what he says in verse 7. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. Learning to trust in the provisions of the Lord. I want to ask this question. Has God ever let you down? Now, there are people in our world today that will sometimes come to the faulty misconception that God has let them down, but that's not the case. God does not let his people down. And when I think about all of the provisions that God has for us, there are a couple of things that, that come to my mind. First of all, when we, when we face difficulties and trials and when we feel as if no one really cares about us, I would submit unto you that the Lord will be there for us and he will strengthen us. Listen again to what Paul said when he wrote to Timothy. The Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Back in Psalm 18, David talks about how he loved the Lord. He said, I love you, Lord, my strength. He described God as his rock, his fortress, his fortress, his deliverer. And so he's looking to God as an ally. God will not only strengthen us, but he will sustain us. Was David in a cave? Was he hiding out from Saul? Yes, he was. But David didn't stay in that cave forever, did he? Who sustained him during those dark hours? I believe the Lord did. David would say in Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. That's what God, God is in the sustaining business. Sometimes when we go through the trials and the tribulations and the difficulties of life and, and we get to a certain point and look back over the past, we wonder how did we make it? I think the answer is the Lord helped us through those storms. So trust in the provisions of the Lord. And then there's a second thing. Trust in the presence of the Lord. Look again at what David said in verse 3. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path in the way in which I walked. 
They have secretly set a snare for me. Now we talk about his persecutors and the fact that they were pounding him, they were plotting against him. But the Lord was mindful of David, wasn't he? The Lord knew exactly where David was. The presence of God is always with his people. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, the Hebrew writer said, speaking on behalf of God, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, what shall man do unto me? I like the words of the psalmist in Psalm 121, when he said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. And then he asked this question, from whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Listen, if God is the one who made the heavens and the earth, and he did, if he's the one that, that, that framed us, that made us in his own image and likeness, and he did, then surely he cares enough about us, he cares enough about me, he cares enough about you to stand by us, to be with us come what may. That's why when Peter wrote his book, he could say, casting all your care on him because he cares for you. Sometimes I understand we face times in life and we have the idea that nobody cares, nobody's there for us. And maybe people do from time to time let us down. Sometimes people aren't what they ought to be. But I can promise you this, the Lord will never let you down. The Lord will stand by you thick or thin, come what may. And that ought to be of great encouragement to us as the people of God to know that the Lord will, will be there for us in times of need. I want to close by asking this question. Does the Lord care for you? The answer is yes, he does. It may be that you feel this day that no one understands what you're going through. I promise you the Lord understands. And the song that we sang a moment ago, Does Jesus Care? And the answer is, oh, yes, he cares. Jesus cares about you personally. He cares about you. He cares about where you are in this life. And the Lord will see you through this life. There are dark days in life. There are tough times. Life is tough. Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. It would be great if we could live in a world free from problems and heartaches and trials, but the fact of the matter is, we live in a world that's just the opposite of that. It's plagued with problems, plagued with trials and heartaches and sickness and death and sorrow and crying and all these things. But John said in Revelation chapter 21, verse four, that one day those things will pass. And so we have to trust in God come what may. If you're here today, maybe you're not a child of God, we want to encourage you to come to Christ. We want you to know that God loves you, that God sent his son to die for your sins. The greatest message known to man, Christ died for our sins. What would you need to do to become a New Testament Christian? Well, the Bible says you need to believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he is who he claims to be. That is, he claimed to be the second member of the Godhead. The Lord said, except you believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. And then the Bible says that you would need to turn from a life of sin through repentance, according to Acts 2, verse 38. 
and then confess his name before others to acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible then tells us that we are to be buried with him in a watery grave of baptism. When we do that, we contact the blood of Christ. We become members of the body of Christ. And in that condition, we enjoy all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places according to Ephesians 1.3. The Bible then says we're to be faithful until death. And the promise being the crown of life. If you're here, maybe you're here today, you're not faithful to the cause. Maybe you've given up. Maybe you felt like nobody was really on your side. Nobody cared for you. Well, we want you to come home. We want you to go to heaven. God wants you to be living for him. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why not come today as we stand and sing?